comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. together from remote galaxies are some of the most sinister podcasters of all time the long box of doom dedicated to a single objective the conquest of the comic book universe Hey everybody and welcome to the Long Box of Doom episode 248.1. This is going to be our Infinity special report where we talk about Infinity issue 1 of 6. I'm Jordan from Jersey and I'm joined tonight by Mr. Jim Dietz. How are you doing Jim? Oh, I'm infinitely great, Jordan. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing much better than I was at the close of the last Marvel event, that's for sure. That's not saying a whole lot considering the last one was Age of Ultron. <laughs> yes, and if anybody has not checked out... uh our point one episode on Age of Ultron, and uh, you want a quick laugh, uh, please check that one out, because uh, that story was terrible. But Infinity, so far, we're an issue in, I enjoyed quite a bit. What did you think of it, sir? I liked it. I liked the way that Hickman is, it, it was all, I mean, the way it was broken into different parts, different sections, that all kind of, like, address, like, different plot points that he's been kind of brewing, you know, over the past year or two in Avengers and New Avengers, so... I, I really liked that structure. I thought it was cool. And yeah, I didn't really feel lost at any point, you know, and I think it's pretty accessible too. Yeah, that was uh, actually a big surprise for me how accessible it was. Don't get me wrong. I love Hickman and anybody who's <laughs> heard me talk about his books before knows that. But, you know, it can be a bit dense sometimes and it can be a little impenetrable if you are not familiar with, you know, the stuff that has come before in terms of his writing. So going into Infinity Number 1... You know, I've been reading all of his Avengers, all of his new Avengers. They've been leading very directly into this. And the question I've been seeing on Reddit primarily, but from other places as well, is am I going to understand any of Infinity Number 1 if I haven't read everything in, uh, you know Hickman's done with the Avengers since the Marvel Now relaunch? And honestly, I've got to say, surprisingly, yes, you will be able to follow it without having that foreknowledge. That foreknowledge will help. Those are great stories. I would suggest anyone who's interested pick them up. But... Infinity Number 1 explains itself pretty well and helps, you know, with a sentence here or, or a caption box there, explain just about everything you need to know going into the story. Are there a few things that won't be abundantly clear if you haven't read those other things? Sure, but not n enough to get in the way of the story. They'll just be background things that you'll be like, okay, I get that the characters are doing something. I get that the new Avengers are exploding some type of bomb device on the first page. I don't know what they're doing. I don't know what it is. But clearly they're not happy about it. Now, I, I know, be, know because I've read New Avengers, I know exactly what they were doing. But if I just went to this cold and didn't know, I think I'd still be fine going into the story, even with that page, not knowing exactly what they were doing. Because the expository stuff throughout the book is, is clear enough to give you just enough information to follow it. Plus, I mean, and it's quite a quite a trick, actually. If you look at, it. I mean, you know, the first the first section, like you said, the New Avengers prelude, where they destroy the one universe to save ours, then to you know, cutting to Thanos's uh, throne on Titan, you know, then you're with, you know, I mean, it, there are a lot of different uh, stories going on here. Yet, I think you know, they 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 
tie together fairly well. Um, and the, like you said, you know, I'm never lost at any point, even though there's a lot of jumping around. I mean, we go from there, we go to Galador with this, you know, the planet of the space Knights and Rom. And then, you know, we go from there to Adelan and, and, you know, the outrider. And, uh, I mean, the outrider is a cool concept for him and, you know, a way to tie a lot of these uh, fragments together as well. So, um, I, I was very impressed with this first issue. I'm really, I'm, I'm really glad I'm on board. Now, were you expecting to see the Space Knights and Galador show up in this issue? Because I sure as hell wasn't. No, I never was. I mean, he's he he has the dire wraiths as part of the um, as part of his mythos and in, in, in the cosmic stuff he did in Fantastic Four. So, I mean, I I, I guess I'm not totally shocked, but I, I really thought that was a great uh, you know cool nod to old school Marvel continuity and. I know we haven't seen Rom yet, but uh, we have seen all the other uh, Space Knights of Galador. That was pretty cool. Well, I do not know a lot about the Space Knights, but I do know enough to know that you will not see Rom. Um, the thing with the Space Knights is Marvel owns everything having to do with the Space Knights, as far as I know, except for Rom. So you will not actually see him show up at any point. Right, because he was made into a toy. Uh, I, if that's how it worked, sure. I, I know I've read enough about it to to know there's a legal reason why they can't use him, but I, I don't remember what it was. Yeah, that was the big deal with Rom. It said he, he was uh, marketed with a 12-inch action figure. It was before there were, you know, uh, before uh, the Secret Wars lines and the Superpowers lines, there weren't, like, regular Marvel and DC action figures coming out all the time. Okay. So uh, Rom was a big marketing push. It was a new character from Marvel in the 80s uh, that came, you know, that was marketed with a 12-inch action figure. I used to have one in my collection, but I don't anymore. But uh, that's why we can't. They can't use Rom because the trademark is shared with, I think, the Ideal Toy Company, or Kenner, one of the, the big toy makers. But that's why they can't use Rom. But they can use the rest of the Space Knight continuity. Ah, interesting. Okay. But for anybody who's worried from hearing us just talk for Rom and the Space Knights for for five minutes, they're not a huge part of the story. They just happen to show up and are involved in a battle, but it's not like you need to know a lot about the Space Knights. You just need to know these are good guys, they're fighting the bad guys, and uh, things don't go particularly well for them. I think by using a lot of like sci-fi stuff in this issue, he's really showing the scope of what's happening. You know what I mean? He's really making you know the epic feel epic by you know showing that this is a thing that's happening all over this part of the galaxy. You see the, the whole segment where Thanos' is, um, uh, avatar goes to collect tribute from that one planet, and then you see the part with Gal- Galador and the Space Knights being, you know, their planet being destroyed. You know, something a really big bad is coming, and, you know, all these, I think, you know, using all these different locales and, and everything really adds to the scale of the story, especially, you know, with the, the sequence with Adelan where the Outrider inv- uh, you know, tries to invade Black Bolt's uh, thoughts and, and, and mind. Um, just really, really cool stuff and uh, really epic in scope. And the, the way a, a big event like this should be, I think, you know, it should be bigger than just a regular story. It should be, and I think, you know, knowing, you know, Jonathan Hickman, being Mr. Big Idea as he is, you know, I don't think he's going to disappoint. And he hasn't so far, for sure. Yeah, the the scope of this really is huge, almost, you know, not to be too punny, but infinite, you could say. I mean, he's going from New York City to hovering over New York City, where Adelaide, Adelaide currently is, to Italy, I believe, at one point, to all the way out into our solar system at Saturn's moon Titan, all far out into the galaxy with the various other planets to show up, Galador, um, a new planet that's involved with the uh, the the first portion there, and uh, a few others, I believe. You see, like, snippets from the Kree homeworld, and um, in the Infinity comic, or the Infinite comic, I should say, 
it's a little bit confusing, but if you enter your digital code from Infinity Number 1, you get a Marvel Infinite comic as well. So an Infinite comic for Infinity that focuses on the Silver Surfer and, is it Clert? The, uh, the, the Scroll homeworld? Or something similar to that? Yeah, I think that's what it is now. Clern or something like that. I'm not, I'm not super familiar with my uh, scroll pronunciation, but that, that planet is involved as well. So, I mean, this pretty much is encompassing all of the Marvel Universe that is known, as well as, presumably at some point, the multiverse as well, just knowing what he's set up already in New Avengers, which doesn't really come into play too much in this issue, um, which, you know, helps with the not having to have explained things too much yet. But, uh... Presumably, this could get even bigger than just encompassing all of the Marvel Universe. It's, an, it's really cool, too. If you look at the uh, the cast, he does one of those uh, Hickman things that he likes to do where he has the little you know, snapshots that are telling, all, telling you who all the different people are. And, I mean, it's pretty much a roster from the entire you know, Marvel Universe, both uh, you know, cosmic and otherwise. It takes up a whole page. It reminds me of the old JLA-JSA crossover pages where they would have... You know, all the different characters listed and everything and their affiliations. But it's done that Jonathan Hickman, very uh, you know, graphic design conscious style. Very cool. Well, it, it almost seems like a preemptory strike for all the people who complain that Hickman is too confusing. He throws in like a ton of extra stuff in this book to make sure it is as the least amount of confusing it could possibly be for a story this big. Well, they also talk, like, uh, like I said, Leo, later in the book, they talk about the scale of what's happening. You know the scale of what's about to to uh, to occur, and uh, like I said, I, if anyone can you know write an epic tale like this, you know it, 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 it's Hickman. He's been moving all his pieces into place since Avengers, you know, Adjectiveless Avengers number one. You know, if you've been reading since then, and I have, I know you have too. Um, oh, absolutely. <laughs> and uh, New Avengers. I mean, all that is paying off now. You seeing? I mean, the the prelude to that to this uh, issue. If you've been reading New Avengers. There is a lot of subtext going on there. I mean, the whole thing between Namor and T'Challa, you know, and, and Wakanda and, and Atlantis, you know, and the um, the whole, you know, the decision they come to that they, that's the only, you know, the choice that they have is what they do, you know. It's a culmination of a lot of things that are going on in that book. I'm really excited to read the rest. I'm really, I, I'm, you know, all the pieces are in play and things are moving now. And, you know, the, I think the giant machine is going to click into motion. We'll see the big picture. But we see, like, this giant wave of... Um, of mutilation, of death, you know, of, uh, you know, tribute to Thanos. You know, we see a Kree outpost, you know, they, they have, like, the video that they watch that's destroyed. Uh, you know, the builders are coming as well, you know, it's just, like, so many threats. Earth, and Earth is in the dead center of, of the, you know, the path of destruction. Yeah, this, this series seems like it's going to draw a lot from some ideas that were also used in the Mass Effect. A lot of video game stuff, actually. Mass Effect, uh, there's a couple things that reminded me of Gears of War, there's another thing as well that I'm forgetting off the top of my head, but a couple things where I was like, oh, that's very much hearkening back to this awesome game series or that awesome game series. And I don't know that I normally think of that um, when I think of Hickman's stuff. I, I mean, he could be a huge gamer for all I know. I, I kind of doubt it since he's he has so many books to write that's not going to leave him a lot of free time. But you know, there's a lot of really cool science fiction tropes here that are not wholly original, but that are being done really well. I'd really like to shout out the art by Jim, uh, Jim Chung. I enjoy his stuff going all back, all the way back to the first run of Young Avengers. Um, this, the, you know, these pencils are great. I mean, it's it's very much his style. I mean, you can tell by the faces, but I mean, it really has that appropriate, you know, uh, um, gravitas to things. I, I love the group shot, you know, where Cap is getting the troops together. Uh, he, you know, he's able to switch from that to the the you know the harder sci-fi look. I really like the look of these like new, um, 
you know, uh, this new, you know, team of, of villains that, uh, that Thanos calls, you know, um, Proxima Midnight and Black Dwarf, the Ebony Maw and, and, uh, and Super Giant. And Corvus Glaive, probably my favorite name. Yeah. The Black Order. Yeah, the Black Order. It's just, I don't know, there's a lot of really cool uh, art beats and design elements in here. And the, the very last page with that grin, Thanos, you know, um, it's just awesome. I, I wish, I hope they come out with a poster of that. It's just really nice. Yes, it's pretty much a mirror image of that shot from him in uh, the Avengers movie, which is pretty cool. Yeah, Marvel's been doing a great job, I think, in terms of giving Hickman the best artistic talent they have in the pool. And that's not to say that, like, artists who haven't worked with him yet aren't great, but they've been giving him consistently awesome artists from Dustin Weaver to Jim Chung to Jerome Opeña and and several others. Dale Eagle Shim and uh, Steve Epting. I mean, that's a thing that goes back to his run on Fantastic Four. They've always paired him with really good artists. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, even more so when it comes to Avengers. Like, they're willing to, like take where you know he's writing avengers twice a month and new avengers once a month they're willing to dedicate three or four artists of some of the you know the the cream of the crop talent that they have to those two books and i mean i think that's a really nice move from them and a smart move from them um and then continuing along with infinity here well he'll he'll be you know have a bunch of artists on here that are all just some of the best artists marvel has yeah it's it's uh I don't know. It, it seems like it is an event. You know what I mean? It doesn't seem like it, it's an offshoot story or something that could have been an, an arc in Avengers or, you know, it has the giant scope of an event. And, I mean, I think that's been lacking in some of the Marvel events lately. I mean, this is like really big picture stuff. Well, I, I mean, I'll disagree with you slightly in that I think this would have fit in as an arc of Hickman's Avengers, but only because his Avengers has been setting up such an epic scope that it already feels like an event, Yeah, if you know what I mean, or it has felt like a prelude to an event, which it has been. So I think it would work both ways, but it, that wouldn't be the case in, say, maybe Bendis's Avengers or some other previous writer's Avengers. I'm not picking on Bendis, but it, it feels of a piece with Hickman's Avengers, but it might not for anybody else's. Right. I think, uh, I, I just, I, I just appreciate that it's a bigger story. You know what I mean? I hate it when they, you know, oh, here's the big event and it's this, you know, it's just very yeah. kind of meh. I, I felt like fear itself in some cases was, was like that. But this, I mean, this is appropriately cosmic and a good, good call, uh, point, um, that you made this, you know, his throne looks very much like the, uh, the stairs we see at the very beginning of the Avengers movie. Uh, this, you know, this, um, larger panel, uh, when we're introduced to Titan with all the stairs as he walks up to, to you know, serve Thanos and, this, you know, and he's explaining about what Outriders are. Um, you know, the the Path of Skulls. It's very, yeah. very, uh, very evocative of that. Skulls are possibly eggs. I was actually thinking it might be a reveal at some point that what looks somewhat like skulls are going to hatch and it's a whole army. But we will see. Hmm. It could be. Um, either way, a, a whole floor made of eggs or skulls both suitably creepy for Thanos. It makes the Outrider even more creepy. So let's uh, let's jump back a little bit and talk about the setup for this issue. You know, we, we've talked Avengers and New Avengers. There was also the free comic book day um, Infinity issue that was released that actually makes up the first 10 or 12 pages of this issue, I think. Um, but now we get to the full context. And I got to say, reading the full, the free comic book day version was cool and interesting, but just also felt kind of weird and... You know, I wasn't sure exactly why that was the free comic book day issue. I'm still not entirely sure why they chose those several pages, um, especially if the idea of free comic book day is to get new people reading. But 
now seeing it in context, seeing it in the full issue, I think it is a really cool sequence and really works well as an opening. It just felt really strange by itself. Yeah, it was a little uh, disjointed, yeah. uh, to say the least. <laughs> but now, for Avengers and New Avengers, in Avengers we started um, with these new villains, Ex Nihilo, Abyss, and Aleph, sending down these pods called origin bombs to Earth from Mars, where they jump-started the evolution of the planet, both the planet itself and of the the creatures on the planet. And basically, they weren't doing this in a, in a malicious way. This was a, a theoretically altruistic, just a, hey, it's time to uh, bump your planet up to the next level. This is what we do. We were sent by the builders. We evolve planets who are ready to ascend to the next level. And yes, it's going to wipe out your species, but hey, you should be thrilled. Your planet is getting uh, is getting upgraded. Uh, and once the Avengers pretty much, well, once the Avengers got beaten and then came back, they explained to these guys, yeah, we're really not into this. And thankfully, Ex Nihilo and Abyss, once Aleph was destroyed, were willing to understand that, okay, we get it. You maybe don't want to be driven extinct. And uh, they've turned it to some pretty interesting characters. We haven't seen a lot of Ex Nihilo and Abyss yet, but whenever they show up, they are rather interesting, particularly Ex Nihilo. Well, and they've joined the team now, too. Oh, yeah, as of uh, the last issue of Avengers. Yeah, the last issue of Avengers. Uh, that that one scene where uh, X Nilo, he has the, the Omega symbol on his chest. He draws the uh, the parallel, the um, horizontal line across it to make it an A uh, for Avenger. So I just right, thought right. I thought that was pretty cool. But yeah, he seems to be a character with a weird sense of humor, but I kind of dig it. Yeah, yeah, it kind of seems like a very surreal outlook. So even though X Nilo and Abyss weren't you know, quote-unquote, villains for long, the effects of what they did, again, not in a malicious way, but just in a, hey, it's time, this is our job way, have been felt ever since. The whole Earth is evolving, you know, in places, particularly where the seven origin bombs hit. AIM got involved and really threw a wrench into the works. And the whole Earth has been going through a bunch of changes that helped uh, bring on a incomplete but new white event. And anybody who knows um, the new universe... Or when they brought it back uh, in, in the mid-2000s, New Universal will be familiar with that term. But basically, again, it's bringing the Earth to the next level, its next point of evolution, and that causes the builders to release uh, from the superflow, which is a big multiversal construct thing. It's complicated, but it's not super important for you to understand. Basically, it causes a bunch of new superheroes to appear on an Earth when it's ready to ascend. In this case, though, because it was incomplete, all we got was a Starbrand and a Nightmask, who are also on the Avengers now. Yeah, that's the way the um, in the uh, new universe that the Marvel Marvel had in the '80s, every super you know super powered individual was generated from that white event. So I guess in that parallel Earth, you know, the more superheroes were generated, like you said, that's according to the Builders' plan. But here we just get a Star Brand and a Night Mask. And the Builders are a new concept, despite the fact that the white event's been around since I believe '86. Mm-hmm. Um, so even even longer than I've been around. The Builders are this new concept. It's kind of like the Reapers in Mass Effect a little bit, or the Protheans, or a a mix of the two. But it's basically a super ancient species that has been fostering and advancing evolution throughout the galaxy since pretty much the beginning of time. They may or may not have, you know, started the Kree civilization or been behind it in some way. And again, this is not a super original sci-fi idea, but it's handled well. It's the ancient aliens idea, but in this case, they're a little bit more, again, not malevolent. It's just, 
when it's your time to ascend, you're going to get wiped out and your planet's going to be brought to the next level, whether you like it or not. As they even say in Infinity Number 1, they're fighting back, but they always fight back. And it's not really their problem to worry about that your planet is not ready to ascend. It's almost like, uh, you know, if the lab technician were worried about the ethics of uh, the bacteria in his Petri dish. In many ways, yeah, except that in this case, the, the scientist is not much bigger than the, than the bacteria. But yeah, it's that kind of detached scientific study uh, is kind of their modus operandi. Absolutely. It's, um, you know, the, the, it, again, you know, going back to the Avengers movie, you know, does the ant have a quarrel with the boot, you know, uh, yes. it's that kind of perspective on things. They, uh, you know, they basically see us as an aberration that needs to be eliminated so they can move their experiment on to the next phase. At least that's the way I've understood it by reading it, you know, like the, the, the fact that, uh, you know, Earth, Earth exists, exists as it does, is setting their, you know, their cause back. Yeah, and, and that could be related to Age of Ultron, it could be related to some other stuff, we don't know for sure yet, but that seems to be one of the big questions Infinity is setting out to answer, is why are the Builders so intent on rebooting our section of the galaxy right this particular moment? Um, and it's not just Earth, they're also, you know, raising Galador and, and the Kree home world and all these other planets as well, um, it, it's uh, time for them to turn over and uh, destroy the crop and rake it under the ground, after, you know, till it into the ground to help fertilize for the next cycle. Uh, we just don't know exactly why yet. I hate to say it, but it kind of reminds me of uh, um, Crisis on Infinite Earths. Which I've heard some other people say as well. Uh, yeah, I guess I'm not, you know, I'm not the you know, originator of that thought. But it, it, it very much started the same way where, you know, things were just being wiped out by, you know, uh, higher beings. You know, whole sections of the, you know, the DC universe are being eliminated. Um, so I did, I did get that kind of vibe from it. And I kind of thought I would, too, because I, I know that, you know, Hickman is going to go there as far as the alternate universes and, the, and you know, the, the bigger ideas and whatnot. So I guess I'm not that surprised. I'm not saying it's, you know, a direct ripoff or copy or whatever. It just was kind of reminiscent to me of, sure. of that. And speaking of alternate universes, that is what the New Avengers have been dealing with. Now, of course, the New Avengers title is actually an Illuminati title because the Illuminati originated in New Avengers back during Bentis, and they've given that team, if you will, it's not really a team, it's uh, more of a time bomb than Bruce Banner would even say the Avengers are back in the... Back in the Avengers movie, but it's Black Bolt, Namor, Reed Richards, Tony Stark, etc., and these six, uh, well, depending on which which portion of the story you're in, these six or seven uh, super powerful, super smart, and super influential Marvel characters have been dealing with these things called incursion events since issue number one, where Black Panther's out in the Wakandan uh, uh, jungle when all of a sudden the second Earth appears in the sky above him. A couple characters jump down, they uh, aim some device at the other Earth in the sky, and they blow up the other Earth. Uh, and Black Panther then captures one of them, and basically you start to find out that at some point in the history of the galaxy, and in the history of the multiverse, on some Earth, Earth was destroyed prematurely. Why? We still don't know yet. It's been hinted at, but it's been hinted at by a unreliable narrator, if you will, so the reasoning behind it is still very much in the shadows, but some alternate Earth was destroyed, and it took its entire galaxy with it. Whatever happened in that particular timeline, in that particular universe, it was catastrophic. And if you visualize the uh, the multiverse as kind of a big game of uh, pickup sticks, all the other sticks and universes moved in to fill in that gap of the one that was destroyed. Well, they moved in too fast, 
two more smashed into each other, they were destroyed, bigger gap, more universes rush in to fill the space, etc. and so forth. The problem is growing. So the Illuminati has been dealing with since issue one, A, how do we stop this? We need to figure out what it is. We need to figure out how to stop it to save all of reality, not just our reality, but every multiversal reality there is. And B, if we can't figure out how to stop it, which they have not been able to do yet because they haven't even figured out exactly what it is, are we willing to destroy other Earths and other realities to save not only our Earth and our reality, but those other realities as well? Because if they don't collide at that um, center point being Earth, the other universe, as far as we can understand it, is fine. The Earth is destroyed, but the universe, that timeline goes on. Um, some characters have been more okay with this than others, and that has led to some very interesting things in the story. But basically, New Avengers so far has been them traveling to other Earths and either destroying them or seeing them destroyed by other forces, like an alternate Galactus and stuff, and dealing with the, the idea that all of reality is crushing in on itself. Now, the Builders are aware of this. We, we know this. The, the Illuminati don't. That may also have something to do with why... The Builders are coming to Earth, we don't really know yet again, that'll probably be delved into in Infinity. But, yeah, all of the multiverse is collapsing into Avengers, and while we're at it, the Living Tribunal, a super, super huge and powerful character in the Marvel Universe, second in power, pretty much only to the god of the Marvel Universe, if you will, the one above all. Uh, He is dead or knocked out on the moon, so everything is going to crap very very quickly in uh, New Avengers. Yeah, I think the Living Tribunal was introduced in Jim Starlin's run of Warlock, but he's basically, he's uh, almost like the, uh, the cosmic, the Marvel cosmic version of the Spectre. He's the arbiter of right and wrong. Uh, he's the, uh, the the one who's the, uh, the judge, jury, and executioner of three faces uh, on the Living Tribunal. So, uh, yeah, that's a pretty big player to be taken out that this early in the game. It's, it's interesting, though, because they really... We we keep seeing allusions to the Infinity Gauntlet in uh, in Infinity, like you know the Outrider is uh, you know looking into Black Bolt's mind and seeing that they each you know possessed a a gem, but they were both you know they would all die before they lost them or something along that line. And not to mention that the covers of the six issues of Infinity and their tie-ins are colored to the six colors of the Infinity Gems. The first one's blue, the next one will be red, etc. But we keep seeing, you know, seeing that Thanos, you know, is, wants to get something, and you know, like, what else could it be other than that? We just keep seeing, a, you know, a hints here and allusions there. Uh, but I mean, I, obviously, I mean, that's what else would it be getting? You know, <laughs> which is interesting because five of the six gems are destroyed, and one of them is missing. Right. And the impression I had after reading New Avengers number three, which is where that happens, um, the the New Avengers, the Illuminati, are trying to push another universe away using the Infinity Gauntlet, and it destroys five of the six gems, and the time gem disappears. My impression was that Thanos could sense that power being used from across the galaxy and realize that they were destroyed. Maybe, maybe not. It's still not clear whether he knew. But either way, this seems to be something a little bit different, and Marvel has been intoning that he's not after the Infinity Gauntlet this time. They've been coy about it, but that seems to be the general impression they're giving out is, He's got something much bigger and much different in mind this time than every other time he's attacked Earth. Right. I just, uh, again, I really, I thought, I thought this issue couldn't have been a better first issue as far as getting me interested and, you know, getting me excited for the rest of the, uh, you know, the event. It's interesting, though, if you look, there aren't really that many tie-ins, as, as many as there are, like, to some of the other events that they've had. 
They keep saying that there's going to be a bunch, but I don't really get that impression. The only, uh, there are two extra Infinity, uh, there's Infinity the Heist and Infinity the Hunt. They're right. One, one, uh, uh, they're four-issue miniseries. But, I mean, the story goes through, you know, the uh, Avengers, basically the Avengers core books. Avengers, Avengers Assemble, uh, Secret Avengers, New Avengers, and then the new book, Mighty Avengers. Um, then we're also seeing tie-ins in uh, Fearless Defenders, Captain Marvel, Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, Nova, uh, Superior Spider-Man Team-Up, and Thunderbolts. But most of those are not new series, which is what I generally think of when I think event tie-in. Right, or a lot of, or, or you see a book that I would explain a lot more books that were, you know, Infinity, blah blah, you know, Infinity, da- you yeah. know, um, Dateline, or you know what I mean, Infinity Frontline. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, since, I, I meant Frontline because I remember that was one of the ones they had during Civil War. I, I'm much more interested in Infinity Access Hollywood. That one should be pretty interesting. <laughs> but uh... <laughs> Infinity TMZ. <laughs> That could actually be an interesting concept, depending on who was handling it and what their core concept was. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the big thing with this book, with this this event, is the Avengers are headed out into space to stop a major cosmic threat. And while they do it, another cosmic threat comes in from the other side and decides to pillage Earth while no one or not really that many superheroes are there to protect it. That's that's basically what you need to know about Infinity is uh, Thanos comes to get something from Earth and the Avengers aren't there to stop him. Which that to me right there, that's a pretty cool concept. Yeah, no doubt. It's just um I, I'm really intrigued by this Mighty Avengers book that's supposed to be coming out of this too. Um the the lineup that they have there, not only in the book itself, but the talent that they have in the book. Yeah, it's definitely cool to see a team that's being introduced with so many minority characters, both ethnic minorities and uh, female characters, etc., and characters you just don't see a lot. I mean, yes, you know, Spider-Man's in there and some other bigger characters in there, but you've got people like Blue Marvel as well will be showing up in the book eventually, or White Tiger. Um, You know, it's kind of cool to see a team like this with a a little bit of a different feel to it. Those are a lot of characters I really love, too. I mean, Luke Cage... And 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 uh, and uh, Danny Rand, Iron Fist are two of my favorite characters of the Marvels ever had. So I'm on board because you know Luke Cage run Avengers team. Sure, I'm I'm down for that. Now, have you heard the news from the solicits about Mighty Avengers and a character that very well looks like is joining the team? You mean Miles Morales? Yeah, that's the thing. Now, this I would not categorize as spoilers uh, because it's not set in stone. This is just rumor, but. From the solicitations Marvel released today as we record this, it looks like Miles Morales is definitely being plucked out of the Ultimate Universe and landing in the 616. It's being hinted that he will be joining the Mighty Avengers, and, you know, if that didn't already set off alarm bells, probably spells the end for the Ultimate Universe. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, if you know, they're already cherry-picking certain characters to, uh, you know, to, to save, then... Uh... You know, I guess Morales would be it. I mean, it just seems like since since Ultimates Three and Ultimatum, it just the universe just seems to have just kind of spun out of control. You know, so they'll be cleaning a lot of things up. And the Hunger is issue two of the Hunger already out. I think issue two is out. Yeah. Um, you know, Galactus munching down on the Ultimate Universe ought to be fun <laughs> to read about at least. <laughs> um, but I think it's intri- uh, it sets up a really cool. Uh, you know, Doc Ock, Spider-Man versus Miles Morales showdown that's bound to happen. You know, that'll be great. Do you think for a moment that Marvel would bring Miles over and give him the Amazing Spider-Man title uh, and not bring back Peter Parker as Peter Parker? 
I would like to think that they would, but I don't. I honestly don't know. I would love it if they did. I think it could be interesting, and I don't know how I'd feel about it. I would love it if they did. You know, I, why not? I don't know. I just I, I think the you know I, these characters survive and thrive on change. You know what I mean? Uh, but reinterpretation of these characters is what's kept them you know, you know relevant and interesting for as long as they have been. So, you know, seeing a reinterpretation like Miles Morales of the original Spider-Man story, I really am intrigued to see what new stories would be spun from that, you know. Um, I, I think it would be a cool... But honestly, I don't know if Marvel's ready to take that kind of stuff. Yeah, only time will tell. It'll, it'll be interesting to say for sure. But uh, to get back to Infinity, one of the things I really loved about this book, and I know we're, we're not really going panel by panel by here, we're just kind of jumping around. I loved how much of a badass Black Bolt was in this issue. He he wakes up from sleep and within a quarter second has ripped an enemy's arm out of its socket while he's still in his skivvies. And, and when I say ripped it out of his socket, I mean has ripped the arm, not just out of his socket, but has ripped the arm completely off of the alien outrider. Well, you know, a lot of people who write that character forget what a badass he is, that he's a warrior king first. You know what I mean? I mean, if you look at some of the earlier takes on the character, but Hickman never forgot. He's always portrayed... Uh, Black Agar Bolticon is, you know, a very strong leader and a very strong character. And I, I really like the way, he, uh, you know, he's, he is in this book. Like you said, he should be a badass. He's the king of the Inhumans, for Pete's sake. Right, right. Now, if Jim, if you can flip over in your issue to the portion where the Outrider is fishing around Inception style in Black Bolt's memories, that panel of the uh, hidden kings and a lost queen. Are they something new, or are they something from back in the day in Marvel Comics that I'm just not familiar with? Let me get to that. I, I bought the digital issue, so. And I'm kind of glad, as, as a side note, I'm glad I bought the digital issue because art really stands up to, like, looking at intensely and closely uh, on the digital side. It's really nice. And for anyone who bought the physical copy, who redeems their digital code, you'll get uh, the infinite comic as well which is pretty cool and that is it's silver surfer going to the scroll homeworld where the builders are attacking and basically trying to reason with them that look i'm not here for galactus i don't i'm not working for galactus anymore and they don't say it but galactus isn't even in the universe anymore i'm willing to protect you guys the scrolls the you know the not the ultimate marvel baddies but you know generally not good people i'm here to save you and their reaction to that uh, positive and negative is very interesting. Plus, you get to see this awesome painted art of Silver Surfer battling uh, the the builders and the Alephs, and it's pretty awesome looking. Although I will say a little bit confusing because the general uh, color tone of the comic is red, and with the silver Silver Surfer flying through, but the builders and the Alephs are also grayish silver. So in some panels, it can get a little bit confusing as to who is hitting who if you're not paying very close attention. That said, it's still gorgeous and a fun read. I'm looking at the panel you're talking about. Hidden Kings and the Lost Queen right before he shuts him down and rips his arm off, right? Yes, that's the one. Are Those five characters, have you ever seen them before? Or are they going to be something new? They, they look familiar, but I can't really place them. I'm wondering if they're the male versions of the females from the, uh, the, the four, you know how you had to marry the four other women? Yeah, from the Universal and Humans, right. um, who were also pictured a few pages earlier. But I, I got the impression that these are something ancient, like the first kings of Adelan or something. The first kings of the Inhumans. It's possible. Um, yeah, I'm really, uh, maybe it's a, it could be a, um, could even be a um, <clears throat> reference to the Celestials or the Eternals. Because the one guy on the right looks very much like an Eternals character. 
uh, his character, whose name I can't remember right now, but it could be a, you know, it could be a, a foreshadowing of that. So, I mean, that would be part of, you know, that could be part of this too. That's my best guess. My best guess. <laughs> Just from the limited introduction we're given to them, which is your favorite of the five members of the Black Order? Well, first of all, I like the Outrider because when I first, when I, I didn't read the book the day it came out. And I read, read something someone wrote on Twitter about, it was just a random thing. They said, the Outrider is a badass. I'm like, did they meet the guy from the Venture Brothers? <laughs> on the horse, who kind of looks like Solomon Kane, that dude? But no, it was um, this character, the Outrider. I really liked him. But of the designs of the four, I have to say that Proxima Mid- Midnight with her Galactus headdress is probably <laughs> my favorite. Just design-wise, because I mean, we really don't get to see anything else other than their, you know, their design beat, quote-unquote. Yeah, the most you get to see is Corvus Glaive, because he's in the whole right. the preview section, the whole thing from Free Comic Book Day. He's probably my favorite design. Um, I love the, the, the glaive he's holding, his actual weapon, uh, the robes and everything, but Supergiant, despite being kind of a dumb name, although I get why he's called that, is also a cool one. Ebony Maul has a cool feel. He f- kind of looks like Peter Cushing. Yeah, without a, without um, a nose. Yeah, Black Dwarf is kind of a evil space uh, Ben Grimm the thing. And I don't know, the Prox- Proxima Midnight, I don't know if it works for me or not yet. I kind of need to see it, her in action. Right. I've never been like the biggest fan of giant headdresses on my space characters. I get why people like it, it's just not necessarily my thing. But it'll be interesting to see how she fits in with them all. Were there, were there any other things from Infinity Number 1 you wanted to uh, talk about before we wrap this up? I don't think so, other than I was very impressed and I'm very uh, very pleased so far, and uh, I'm glad Mar- good on Marvel. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, one other thing I, I did want to mention, just because it's in the back of the book, the Infinity Checklist that Hickman put together, one of his hictograms, or hictographs, depending on uh, who you're talking to, I-, I love that, I love how he even makes a reading list look cool, and that is for the, the core Infinity story, you got the six issues of Infinity, you've got Avengers 18 through 23, and you've got uh, New Avengers 9 through 12. And the way he's got it mapped out is pretty darn awesome. Yeah, I'm glad. I mean, it's really cool that he did that, too. Because sometimes um, with these events, you know, you wonder what the cr- chronology is on the different chapters as you read them. Sometimes you're reading something that should have happened like a month, you know, should have been put out a month or two later in, in the event or vice versa. Um, I remember they had that problem with Secret Invasion. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, not not so in this case. And there will be those other tie-ins, like you're saying. Here in the back of the book, we've got Avengers Assemble 18, Captain Marvel 15, Thunderbolts 14, um, and of course, uh, Avengers 18 and New Avengers 9, which also have those blue covers, so they will tie in with issue number one. But uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed this. I was surprised by how accessible it was. Even with how much I love Hickman, I do understand why it doesn't work for some people and why they would be weary of jumping into Infinity. They feel like they have to read all of Avengers and New Avengers that's come out before. Again, I I think it might be helpful, and it would certainly be a good read, particularly now that you get a big chunk to read, because a lot of people feel that Hickman reads better in trade, and now you've got several trades for both series to, to do that for. But I really thought this was very readable and understandable, even for somebody who hadn't read those books. I mean, it tells you what you need to know, and what still is not clear is probably going to be explained in the future, because there's plenty of things in here that aren't clear even to me. Why are the Builders what the, doing what they're doing? What is Thanos after? But those are things that will be revealed, presumably, in this story. And, and I'm fine being along for the ride right now. I'm fine being in the same boat the Avengers are in, where they know they need to stop these threats, they just don't know exactly why the threats are yet, you know, I, I don't mind being in the same boat as them. That's fine with me. 
hey, I already, I'm already uh, reading these books. You know, Avengers, New Avengers. So it's not really like I'm adding very much line you know, to my reading list. So. Right, exactly, yes. Well, so without any further ado, that is it for this episode of The Long Box of Doom. You can leave us a voicemail at 516-468-7912 or an email, comments at legionofdudes.com. We'd love to know what you think about the show in general and also what your thoughts are on Infinity Number 1 or any of the things leading up to it or spinning out of it. Don't forget to check out all of our other great shows like Half Hour Wasted, Out Now with Aaron and Abe, The Walking Dead TV Podcast, Jersey Shore, Really BS, Black Box. There's a ton of them. Check them out. They're awesome. We've also just launched a show that you can only find on the Master HHW LOD feed, and that is Los Podcast Hermanos. If you are a fan of Breaking Bad, we are doing episodes for all of the final half season of the show. We're super excited and uh, I really like how it's turned out so far. So check out the Master Feed to download those episodes or just go to hhwlod.com where you can download them directly from the website. And uh, I think that's it. So have a good week, everybody. Have an infinitely great weekend. We are one thing towards a blanket.